Um, Happy New Year, everybody. I know you've heard it like three times now, but um, it is a Happy New Year. I'm glad to be with you all today. Um, We are starting with the new year. We're starting a new series uh, called Fresh Fire, Gospel-Centered Life in the Spirit. And I'm preaching the first sermon today about um, being a Spirit-led church and what it means for us and what it might look like for us to have a culture of being led by the Holy Spirit. So um, back in October, the elders of the church, uh, Tom and Zach and Vince and myself, spent a few days in prayer, um, just praying for you guys, praying for us as a church, as an assembly, as a body. God, what do you have for us? What do you want us to focus on in the next year? And one word that kept coming up was the word fire. Um, and just being on fire, um, specifically meaning we want to be a people that are just full of passion for Jesus and for His kingdom, and we want to see the Holy Spirit affect every area of our lives. So our, our jobs, our home life, our relationships, and our family, and our coworkers. Um, what would it look like if, if, if we were really open to and asking God to speak into every area of our lives. And so today we're going to do that. And during this series, we're going to basically be casting that vision kind of through the lens of our church's mission statement. How many know our church's mission statement? Or how many are on our email list? Okay. So if you're on the email list, it's at the top of every email we get. I think we will have it up here. But basically, New City Church has a mission statement, and it's this New City Church is a spirit led family of gospel communities who make disciples of Jesus for God's glory. We're a spirit-led family. We're not just an organization or an institution. We're a family. We're led by the Spirit. We're made up of gospel communities whose goal is to make disciples of Jesus. And it's not for our glory or our recognition. It's for God's glory. That's a pretty good statement, right? Well, I tend to think so. Um, But yeah, today I want to focus on just in the beginning of that, uh, what it means to be Spirit-led. What does it look like for us, for you and I, as a people, to be led by the Spirit of God in our everyday, ordinary life? And um, as we talk about that, I want to do that by talking about a gift that we've been given, a question that's going to help us access that, and a sailboat, just because I like sailboats. Um, Well, not really. It's just kind of, it's hard to explain until the end, but it'll make sense. Um, And as, one more thing, as I'm talking today, I'm not not coming to you guys as one who has it all together. I don't have a red phone line on my desk at home that's like direct to God, and I just pick it up and I hear audibly um, every day before I start. Um, I'm talking to you as one who struggles to hear the Spirit, one who... um, Sometimes it's not led by the Spirit. I'm led by my emotions. I'm led by just what's practical or, or, or just the status quo of what everyone else in my age range and life stage is doing. But I also come to you as one who is a little bit familiar with the promises of Scripture that God has given us about being Spirit-led and one who has a little bit of experiences in my life of really times of, wow, God was really leading us. And it was very visible. And so um, that's what I'm sharing us. Um, so yeah, imagine with me that 
you gave me a Christmas gift, right? And a lot of you would be imagining, because I didn't get gifts for most of you guys. But, just, just kidding. I'm, I'm not offended. That's a joke. Um, anyway, so imagine that you gave me a Christmas gift. You thought, okay, what would really help Kenny? What does he really need? What could he really use? And then you bought it. You purchased it. You wrapped it beautifully, bow on top. And you come to me, and you're like, hey, I got you this gift. All right, and so you're seeing that? You're with me? All right, then I take the gift, and I'm like, thanks. And then I just unwrap it, and then I leave the box there, and I take the wrapping paper over here, and I just start playing with the wrapping paper. And I throw the bow up and down, and I say thanks, and then I walk off. really appreciate the gift. But I left the gift unopened. I didn't open it up. I didn't see what was inside. I didn't explore it. I didn't play with it. I didn't see how I could use it. I didn't even really fully appreciate what you had given me because I didn't open the gift. Now, how would you feel in that situation? Well, I would be missing out. And you'd probably be disappointed for me because I was missing out because I didn't really open and enjoy the gift that you gave me. In the same way, God has given His people, God has given those who are in Christ a gift And I'm afraid that in the church we seldom don't take advantage. We seldom take advantage. We often don't take advantage of the gift that God has given us. And that gift that he has given us is himself. The Holy Spirit. God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And to lead us. I've got a few passages of Scripture. There's so many. There's so many on leading a spirit life, so I can't read all of them. But I'm just going to read three. Um, and uh, I think we have them up there. We're going to start with the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, the setting here is Jesus has already uh, died on the cross, been buried. He rose again on the third day. He spent about 40 days with his disciples, um, speaking to them about the kingdom of God and explaining to them the gospel. It's basically like you just got to watch the gospel happen in real life. This is what it means, right? And so then he gives them these words in verse 3. He says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Okay, what's the gift? Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is mentioning that we have a gift All right, and then let's go to the next chapter, Acts chapter 2. And if a lot of you may be familiar with the story and with the amazing thing that that happened, there's there's people praying and fasting and waiting in Jerusalem, like he said, and then the Holy Spirit comes and there's a sound of uh, rushing wind and it appears like there's fire and, and they speak in languages they don't know. It's just this miraculous thing that's happening and a lot of people think, what are they? Are they drunk? What's going on? They're speaking in languages they don't know. And then Peter stands up, and he's full of the Spirit, and he preaches the first sermon on the gospel. And I'm zoom- that's where I'm going to stop on uh, Acts 2.36. He says this. This is Peter talking. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, 
whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And he ends his sermon there. And they said, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So there again it shows up. When you come to Jesus, when you come to faith in Him, when you repent and you place your trust in Jesus, we're promised a gift. We're given a gift and a promise that the Holy Spirit, the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is going to live inside of us. And the last scripture is uh, Romans 8. We're going to read 14 through 16. It'll be up here as well. Um, And I just want to explain real quick that that whole section in Romans 8, the whole first half of the chapter, um, is kind of subtitled Life Through the Spirit. And I wish that I could just read it because it's amazing. It's so full of promises and good truth for us. But that would take a whole sermon series in itself. So I'm just going to zero in on a few verses here at the end of that section. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, um, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. It's like an affectionate word for father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share, I read past 16, I'm sorry. Um, the, spirit, <laughs> the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Those verses show us, one, that there's a gift that the Father promised, that the promises for all who God is calling. And then if you really, if you read into Romans 8, it's saying it's not just a gift and a promise, but it's a new identity you have. That if you're in Christ today, if God has moved on your heart and you have come to see Jesus as your Savior and you have repented of your sins, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and that you don't just have a sinful nature, but now you have a spirit nature, and that you don't have the condemnation that comes with sin, because now you're in Christ, there's no condemnation, and that because you're a son and a daughter of God, you're filled with His Spirit, and because you're His children, He's leading you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. God promises Those who are in Christ, whose faith is in Jesus, that He will not only fill them with His Spirit, but also lead them because they're His kids. That is the gift that God has given us. He promises to lead His children. His children have His Spirit, and His Spirit leads His children. God's gift to us is Himself leading us from within. Now, the question is, are we opening the gift? Have we opened the gift as a church? 
Have you opened the gift as an individual in your walk with God? Or are you just kind of playing with the wrapping paper? Right? Are we kind of leaving it to the side? Have you, have you really opened up and explored what does this gift mean to have the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, to be alive in me, and that He desires to commune with me and to lead me? Have we explored that? Have we, have we seen what we can do with it? As you would with any good gift, right? We have the opportunity to be spirit-led. The spirit is moving. He's working in us already. He's moving. He's working. And then the question becomes, are we willing to be led? Are we willing to be led? What do I mean by that? I mean, how, how do we make our decisions? Think about every day as you go throughout your day or a normal week, the decisions you come up, is it just always based on routine? Is it maybe a lot of times based on just emotion, what you're feeling in the moment, and that's how you decide? Is it maybe just based on the status quo of what seems practical or what everyone else is doing? Um, Or is there intentionality of asking, Holy Spirit, how would you lead? How would you lead me? What would you have me do? You see, God is ready to dwell with, and God has promised, and I believe God is dwelling with. I believe you, if you're in Christ here today, you already have the Holy Spirit. I'm not preaching about something that you don't yet have. But I'm preaching about a gift that he's given us, and are we accessing it? So today it's not a, it's not a, a sermon of condemnation. It's a sermon of discovery and exploration. God's given us this gift. Are we accessing it? Are we using the gift? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like some of you guys might be like me and say, yes, I want to use that gift. Does anyone agree with me on that? Okay, cool. And, and also, I don't know, some of you guys might be like me, but no, I don't always use that gift. I don't always access that gift that God has promised to me and he's given to me as a son of his. So that moves me from the gift to the question because I want to focus a little bit on a, a question that's really practical and really easy and is really just meant to help us access that gift in a practical way um, in our gospel communities, in our, in our church as we make decisions, in your everyday life. And so if you're like me and you're saying, yes, I want that, I want to use that gift, but how? One very basic practical step we can do is to ask the question, what's next, Holy Spirit? Everyone say that with me. What's next, Holy Spirit? Sounds pretty basic, huh? <laughs> it is pretty basic. But that question at the beginning of our day as we spend time with the Lord, when we're about to meet with someone else in the church, or if someone else needs to talk about something and we're going to meet with them and we don't know exactly what to say, or as a gospel community where we're talking about what kind of mission are we going to unify around? How are we going to reach out to people who don't know Jesus? Or maybe there's someone already in your life who they don't believe in Jesus as Savior, but you're there in their life and you're speaking to them and discipling them. And a lot of times that question, when you don't know, when you run into, I don't know what to do next. 
This is a question that can help us. What's next, Holy Spirit? It's a posturing, it's a way of posturing ourselves. Because God is ready to lead, God is at work, are we willing to be led? One of the examples I think of is, um, how many know in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel uh, had the exodus and they came out of Egypt, and then they're, they're wandering around the wilderness, but God said that he wanted to lead them and to dwell with them, and the way he did that visually was with a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. And basically the, the pillar of fire would rest above the camp, and they would wherever it would stop, they would camp, right? And that would be in the middle. And then when the pillar would move, they would know, okay, so God, they had to be ready to move with the pillar, right? So they had to pack up camp and go with it. And that was a, just that's a very active picture of us from that story of God wanting to be with and to lead his people. But it only works if his people are ready to go with, right? The Holy Spirit is there. The fire is there. I'm ready to lead you in this miraculous way. But imagine if they're there and they're camped and the fire starts to move and they're like, I kind of like this spot. <laughs> right? Or the, the fire starts to go south and they're like, ah, but everyone else is, says to go north, so maybe we should just do that. You know? No, it only works if he, he's already leading, he's already working. It works best when we make ourselves ready to be led when we posture ourselves to be led. And that question, what's next, Holy Spirit, is going to help us to do that. When we ask that question, I'm telling you guys, in this year, if we see this in our culture, if we start asking that question, we're going to have stories of God directing us. It opens up a new world. You know, when we ask that about where we live or where we move, we might see God actually direct that. And it might not just be directed by our job and what works there. He might actually lead us to be on mission to a certain group. Or he might actually direct who we disciple, not just who we're naturally drawn to and already want to hang out with, but he might say, hey, you see that person over there that doesn't have any friends? I want you to go talk to them. Might lose your cool points. <laughs> he might direct how we disciple someone. You know, maybe the, the, the curriculum that we have, you know, or some kind of cookie-cutter curriculum is not going to cut it for someone. And when we're asking, Holy Spirit, what's next? He's going to lead us. God might just do some amazing things things this year in our everyday lives as we ask what's next what's next and you might say well don't we have scripture for that doesn't scripture tell us enough of what to do already and yes we do have scripture but there's some there's some things in our lives that are kind of in between areas where maybe there's not scripture for but we still need direction. Um, I've got a quote here uh, from Jeff Garner. He spoke here in November. And I, as I was preparing this week, I sent out and, and just tried to talk to a few other people and get, um, I asked the question, how would you describe what it would look like for a church to have a culture of being led by the Spirit? And so he sent me a lot of really great things. Um, 
but this is a little bit of it. And he says, I'm not speaking here of studying scriptures and being obedient to scripture. That is a given in most churches. But being spirit-led implies all the stuff that there is no scripture for and yet is required in order to be effective kingdom builders. Where we move, what mission we take on, how we disciple, who we disciple, etc. When we're asking the Holy Spirit, what's next? We open up ourselves. We, we're, we're asking the Lord, hey, I, I know what your scripture says and I want to obey. Help me obey that here on the ground level. And God's going to be faithful to lead us. Well, you might say, well, what about the pressure that makes me feel? Because that just seems like there's one answer, right? There's one answer. There's one invisible answer. And I have to ask. And if I don't hear the Spirit properly, then it's my fault for not being Spirit-led. Has anyone ever felt pressure about that? When you ask, maybe, maybe you've asked the Holy Spirit to speak to you and then you don't hear anything, right? And then you're like, uh, what do I do? But in reality, the pressure's actually off. You remember that Romans 8 verse? You have a new nature. You have a new identity. You're a son and a daughter of God if you're in Christ. And God leads his children. So whether you hear it, whether you hear something when you ask, or whether you don't, you can move forward in faith because God leads his children. And God is leading you. Someone else might say, Kenny, are you saying we don't have responsibility for our own decisions anymore? Now I just get to ask God and then kind of blame the God card if I don't, know, if I don't want to make a decision yet? Or is God like the cheating buddy on the test of life? He has all the answers and I don't have to think for myself anymore. Just always ask God and kind of go with whatever I'm feeling, even though what I'm feeling might be ice cream and pizza mixing in my stomach. I'm going to stop trailing off. <laughs> no. No, we don't, like I said earlier, we don't have a red phone line. We don't have, I don't want to over-spiritualize it and, and pretend like we need to hear from God on everything. God, what color shoestring should I wear today? All right. Okay, green. All right, let's go. Um, no, I'm not saying we need to over-spiritualize everything. God has not made us to know the future, and having the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives doesn't change that. He's not saying, now I'm going to tell you the future on everything. Now you're going to make decisions, and you're never going to worry about if you're wrong. That's not what the gift of the Holy Spirit is, the gift of Him leading us. Practically, when we ask, what's next? You may not be able to decipher what the Spirit is saying. You probably won't hear an audible voice. But you are, in the act of doing that, in the act of just making time and space in your day to ask the Holy Spirit what's next, or when you get confronted with a situation and you don't know in your own knowledge and you just ask the Holy Spirit, what you are doing is preparing your heart to be led by the Spirit. You're preparing yourself to walk in faith. You may ask that question as a, as a gospel community when you're, when you're praying about mission or someone that, that, is, that you're walking alongside with and showing them the love of Christ. You may ask that, and you know what? You may get an answer that's very clear and everyone agrees on, or you may get maybe just like a slight 
little nudge. Oh, I think maybe we should go to coffee with them next and talk to them about this. Or you might get just blank. Nothing. Right? And at that point, you don't need to feel pressure because God's given you permission to make a decision in faith. And to hold on to that verse, as many as are led by the children of, or as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. I'm God's child, and He's leading me whether I can hear an answer for this or not. Does that make sense? So, I, I, hopefully this is helpful. I know it's super practical, kind of nitty-gritty. But it's just a question that we have available to us. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can ask this question, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do next? And let me tell you this, guys. We need this question because the journey that God has called us on as part of His church, as part of New City Church, and just in your own life is way bigger than you're able to comprehend or foresee. We need this question. We need to be able to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And to listen for Him in faith. And to make decisions in faith. Because He's given us a huge job. Has anyone ever heard of the Great Commission? (laughs) Yeah? Jesus says, you know, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of Of one city? No. Of all nations? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey? Okay, teaching is enough, but teaching them to obey all that I have commanded? Is that above anyone else's pay grade except for me? Like, It's a little bit of a big job. But then he says, and I am with you always even to the end of the age. It's a beautiful opportunity. The life that God has called you to, as a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit, the life that God has called you to, this task that's too big for us, is a beautiful opportunity to see the inexhaustible power of God at work. In your life. It's more than you can do. On your own. It's more than I can do on my own. It's more than we can do all together. But it's an opportunity to see God. In his inexhaustible power at work. In our life. It takes us beyond our ability. It takes us beyond the status quo. Of the plans that we could make for this year. You know we ask. Hey what do you want to see in this year? I would ask. What do you think God wants to see in your life this year? Do you think it might be bigger and might be more all-encompassing than what you could ask for this year? I think so. I think it could be for our church. Do you guys agree with that? Cool. I'm seeing some nods. Got some yeses. All right. It's an opportunity to see his power at work. So the other day, I was um, walking close to the harbor, and I looked out 
and I was kind of on a hillside. I looked out the San Diego Harbor, and I saw this huge, like, ship with three uh, big sails. And, you know, there's some other little sailboats too, but it mostly really stood out because it kind of just felt like it was from a different era because, you know, there's all these Navy ships around there, just huge hunks of steel with amazing engines and little speedboats and jet skis all going around. And then there's this just sailboat going through the middle. And, um, yeah, so it stood out and it got me thinking. Earlier this year, I went to, um, I went to the Star of India ship. Um, over there on uh, Harbor Drive. Is anyone familiar with that? Where they've got the different ships you can kind of go on and walk around the submarine and all that stuff. So I step on the Star of India, and they've got a little plaque there, and it says, you know, this ship was built in 1863, and it's been, before it retired, it's been around the world 23 times, right? Which I've traveled a little bit, but that's like 23 times more than I've been around the world, right? And, and I'm looking at this sailboat, and I walk on, and it's, you know, it's tons and tons of wood, and, and it's carried hundreds and hundreds of people and tons of cargo, and there's no engine. There's no engine. There's no fuel compartment. Comparatively, there's not many moving parts if you compare it to a modern Navy ship. But with no engine, it's been around the world 23 times. Thousands and thousands of miles in open water, treacherous seas. How? Anyone know how? The wind. And more specifically, how they harness that power? The sails, right? The sails. The sails on that ship are built to harness the power of the wind that is already there. You know, we talk about renewable energy. It's not even really renewable. It's just always happening. There's always wind, especially when you go out to the water. There's wind. Right? So the power is already there. It's already moving. It's practically endless energy, and it's ready to be harnessed and take wooden ships with no engines and no fuel all the way around the world, and it has for thousands of years. And it struck me that this is a beautiful analogy of a Christian in their own life or of a church together that is led by the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Our job is too big. Let's say our job is to go around the world, right? Our job is too big for us on our own. Um, Well, that's the analogy part of our job. The real job, the Great Commission, making disciples, right? Going into the world and making disciples and baptizing and teaching people to obey Jesus. It's much bigger than we can imagine or accomplish on our own. Even our mission statement that we had up here earlier, the New City Church, is a spirit-led family of gospel communities who make disciples of Jesus for God's glory. That's too big of a job for us. If you don't believe me, all right, let's just take family. Take a bunch of different people from different age ranges and different backgrounds, different family backgrounds, some dysfunctional habits, some good habits, different senses of humor, different personality traits, throw them all in the same room, or throw them into little communities and tell them to get along for long periods of time. 
You think we can do that without the Holy Spirit? You got another thing coming, right? Gospel communities. Take, take small groups of people who have been so affected by the gospel that they're going to sacrifice and live life together and, and agree and unify on a mission and serve people in the city to make it better for others and to show them the love of Christ. Good luck without the Holy Spirit. Making disciples of Jesus. How many know it's hard enough to just change your friend's mind in an argument? Right? On your own. Right? Or spouses. Is it really easy to change each other in your own power? I don't know. I've heard stories. But... No, but we're actually, call, we're actually called to make disciples and see people change from the inside out? To be a completely different person? Yeah, no way without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that is at work doing that. And to do that all for God's glory and not get caught up in, I need to be recognized, I need to be thanked, make sure that you saw me serve in this way, it looks good for my reputation, right? To not get caught up in all that stuff that we do to do it all for God's glory, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, it's too big of a job. And it's a beautiful picture, but it's unattainable in our own power. And that job, it's, it's like going around the world, and we have all these options, and maybe we gather supplies, and maybe you say, you know what, if we build an engine, and we do this in our own strength, and we stockpile enough fuel for a while, and we look and we see at other churches and what they're doing, and let's just do what they did, and we can do this in our own power, right? But those engines, probably going to break down eventually. You might run out of fuel, and then you'll be sitting in the middle of the ocean without any way to get anywhere. I'd rather have a sailboat than an iron ship with a broken down engine. We can't do it from our own energy. We can't do it from our own power. We'll break down and we'll burn out. But I'm reminded of uh, Zechariah 4.6, it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When we ask the Holy Spirit, when we recognize the gift that He's given us, you and I, and we make it a regular practice of asking, Holy Spirit, lead us. We need you. We need your direction. Help us. We are building sails, guys. When we do that, we're, build, we're building sails that will harness the power of God that is inexhaustible. More than renewable. It just never runs out. And he's will, it's already going on, just like the wind going on in the ocean, just like the fire that was ready to lead them. He's already willing. He's already leading. It's just a matter of saying, where are you leading? Where are you leading me? I know what you've said. I know what your scripture says. How are you leading me to fulfill that, to obey that? And that, that is going to help us go around the world 23 times without an engine. It's going to help us accomplish things in your own life, in our own church, that are way beyond what we could ever comprehend. The amount of reconciliation that God would lead us to. The amount of sharing the gospel that he would lead us to. Do you guys see that? It's amazing. It's amazing to think about what God does through his people when we just ask. 
what do you want to do through us? And then listen. He's ready to lead us when we ask to be led. You know, the thing about the, the wind, it's interesting to me that in the New Testament, um, and specifically in the Greek that the New Testament was written in, and in Aramaic that, that everyone uh, uh, believes that Jesus spoke in, the word for spirit is the same word for breath, is the same word for wind, right? It's a very powerful metaphor. And so in that day, when they would have heard spirit, they would have kind of had to figure out, and they would have an attachment to the same breath that fills my lungs, the same wind that moves ships. Same word is for the spirit that fills me because I'm a son of God. It's a powerful gift that God has given us. It's a powerful metaphor. And so building that cell in our lives means opening the gift. Opening the gift of the Holy Spirit. Asking God, bringing that question into our vocabulary for our communities and and just throughout your daily life. And also it means uh, the leaders of the church beginning to train people on how to listen to the Spirit. How to listen and how to hear and how to make sure that's in line with Scripture and, and, and that we're um, listening to God well. And, and guys, I didn't even get to start on gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, all these things that God has given us. But it's a vibrant vibrant, vibrant life we've been promised. Vast, even more vast than your imagination can think. Even more vast than, than the sailboat analogy, the little dinky sailboat analogy I came up with while I was walking by the harbor. What God wants to do in us and wants to do through you if we make ourselves available. Amen? All right. Uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer and uh, then we're going to open up for a time of, of worship through taking in communion. Um, and as we take in communion, we remember uh, the blood of Jesus poured out um, to cleanse our sin and the body of Jesus broken to, to give us righteousness and to make us righteous. And, and it's through that process and through the resurrection that we believe that we have been filled with the Spirit. That when we place our faith in Jesus, he has filled us with his spirit. And so I, I invite you to, to um, take part in communion, either with your gospel community or as couples or with your DNA groups. And if you're a guest today and you're kind of, you don't really know about communion or you haven't done that before, I invite you to just, um, if you would like to, you can just join a circle and just kind of watch. Just kind of observe people um, taking part in that and, and see us walking out our faith in that way. And, um, and also, um, while you're in your groups or with whoever you're, you're praying for that, I, I challenge you guys to um, just to take a little bit of time and ask the Lord um, for ways in which you can open that gift more. Um, because I don't know about you guys, but there's so often, so many times just in my life, I just end up neglecting the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of me. And He wants to lead me. He wants to commune with me and talk with me, right? And so I challenge you guys to uh, explore that a little bit in prayer. And also, if, if you want to pray about that with me or if you have a specific situation, um, I'll be up here available for prayer, and I think Vince will as well. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll have that time. Father, thank you so much for...
your spirit, 